Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Network of Executive Women. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics for women in the workplace. From advancing women of color, to developing and engaging male allies, to how to navigate the new workplace post-COVID-19. Sarah will cover it all as she and her guests dig into these key issues. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter. So when each of my three children were born, I had office and team showers and we had the full shebang. We had cake, gifts, balloons, you know, you name it. There was even a betting pool for one of my children as to the gender, the date, the time, the hour of birth. They were all expected. And my company and I, we had a plan. With my firstborn Emma, she was born in London. So I ended up leaving a week or having a week at the hospital. Um, Amazing, isn't it? I had six months of maternity leave, absolutely incredible. With my two sons who were both born in Chicago, I ended up having less than 48 hours in a hospital. Welcome back to the US, right moms? I took off six weeks and then I worked part-time six weeks and then I finally headed back full-time, but only after three months versus the six. So at the company I was working for, just so you know, there were people who had come back after giving birth after two weeks. Yikes. I've recently learned from one of our guests this week that typically 50% of employees in a given company will end up having children, having you know some type of a birth. And that includes providing fertility treatments, maternity, paternity leave. And in more rare cases, typically, you know, daycare can be provided. And as I've experienced above, it's very much handled as a celebration. It's a positive experience. There's full support being provided for this pivot point in your life and in your career. Well, at the same time, 75%, so three quarters of employees in a given organization end up having to play like some type of caregiving responsibility for their older children, for academic situations, for potentially medical issues, for their spouse or partner, for extended family, for older parents, typically nothing in place to support what is probably an even more challenging pivot point. And we're going to call that today the missed opportunity. A couple of years back when my father was diagnosed with terminal cancer across multiple organs, my mother at the same time had a stroke. And this all happened in a week. And as you would expect, zero notice or planning. And sadly, at this time, I was employed at a company with a culture that had nothing in place to support me. I didn't even dream about asking my boss for any type of help or flexibility because even more distressing, it was a toxic cesspool of a situation, probably a whole nother podcast in the making, stay tuned, we'll cover that on another day. So there was no choice but for me to jump off the bus. I quit to take that time off and I managed that journey with my older sister. There would be no parties or showers, nor any support or flexibility. That has been the norm for most companies and their teams guess what? It's time to change that perspective and approach. And we're seeing progress, but there is so much more today. So today we are going to guide you in doing so. How do you tackle caregiving 
And how can your leadership team and organization best support you? I'm Sarah Alter, the host of our Advancing All Women radio show and podcast, as well as being the proud CEO and president of the Network of Executive Women. I am humbly joined by an incredible group of ladies who will share their advice and personal stories. I'm joined by Lisa Walsh, who is an operating advisor for Atlantic Street Capital Advisors, Inc., Liz Gulliver, CEO and co-founder of CUNIC, and Jessica Kim, CEO and co-founder of Ionicare. Welcome, ladies. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Sarah. My pleasure. All right, let's kick it off. Lisa, we're going to start with you. Why is this, this topic so important to you? And thank you again for being here. Well, I'm thrilled to be here among such an incredible group of um, really inspirational women doing things that you'll hear about in, in this space that, gosh, I wish I knew about it when I was going through Ew. some really difficult times. Um, I'm here because I've kind of lived through this journey of caretaking, and um, it has been super clunky, incredibly emotional, and very isolating because it's there's processes in place in, in a lot of places for when people have kids. So alluding to what you talked about earlier, Sarah, um, and it's a very happy time usually. Um, when a parent um, or a spouse or partner, you know, runs into illness, um, it, it, there's not any infrastructure in place to help guide you as to where to go to get support. So, um, so I had parents who were very much Ozzie and Harriet. Um, my dad worked, my mom stayed home and, um, and my dad passed away now, uh, almost eight years ago. And when my dad passed away, you know, my mom was left not knowing how to do the most basic of things, um, particularly in the financial realm. He did all the bills, he paid the insurance, he you know, knew where all the bodies were buried. And, um, and my mom became this sort of this helpless child, uh, not knowing how to manage her affairs. Um, compound that with the fact that um, she started to deteriorate with what we knew was early onset dementia, um, which then spiraled into full-blown Alzheimer's. And so um, I have one older brother who lives in Florida. At the time, I was living in Texas, and my mom was up living on her own in an apartment complex in New Jersey. And so it's hard enough managing yeah. you know, your parents' affairs and trying to take care of them, not only financially, but emotionally, physically. Um, but doing it from afar um, was a whole other set of challenges. And you, know, you start getting the phone calls from the neighbors saying, hey, you may want to check in on your mom. Um, you do also get a lot of the judgment of why are you not here taking care of her? Nobody wants to hear, well, I moved for work. You know, how could you move or why are you not back? Well, if you move for work, why, why aren't you moving back? Like it's a super easy thing to go do after you've spent decades building, you know, a career. Um, so there was a tremendous amount of guilt associated with that. And, uh, and, her condition deteriorated so quickly that it's not anything that we could have really been well planned for. So number one, I couldn't find many resources. The only thing I found online was care.com and that didn't really help. Um, I didn't know where to go. My employer at the time, you know, didn't have a, any sort of resources in this space to really help guide me. And so I spent hours just Googling things online to try and figure out what kind of 
care I could give her that I would be comfortable with. Um, and so long story short, you know, we eventually got her into a facility um, that she started as independent living and very quickly realized that that was going to be impossible. So now she's obviously in a memory care facility and doing exceptionally well. But I can tell you that um, over the course of what took months to solidify, um, it was incredibly draining emotionally and physically for me, flying back and forth, trying to keep yeah. my job going. Yeah. And, and, you know, very, very emotionally taxing between the guilt and the sadness of the loss and um, the lack of support, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it was, it was a tough thing. So, so that's why I'm here today is because we have to shine a light on this and really provide an infrastructure of support um, both, you know, tools, um, companies, um, processes, policies, and an emotional support, you know, emotional support that goes along with this as well. And, and thankfully, we've now met the incredible Jessica and Liz and learned more about their groups. And uh, yeah, we're so excited to be sharing your stories today. Jessica. Tell yeah, us a little bit about your journey and, and, and your company, too. Well, first of all, I just have to say, hearing you share your stories, just being strong women and leaders such as yourselves, it just proves the point that I feel seen and heard. And I hope everyone that's listening also feels seen and heard because of your sharing. Um, so my personal journey uh, started like most family caregivers. I was thrust into the role, right? So my mom had pancreatic cancer for seven and a half years, which is an unusually long time for pancreatic cancer. Um, my parents ended up moving in with me and I was thrust into just navigating all of their medical care, performing all the nursing duties, um, like pumping her stomach several times a day. I was feeding her and bathing her and just doing all that I could to care for her at home. My kids at that time were ages 10, 7, and 5. Um, so it's not only that sandwich generation that we <laughs> talk about, but it, it felt more like the panini generation where you're toasted and oozing from all sides. That's what I felt like. Um, <laughs> And I eventually made the decision, like you, Sarah, to quit my job. Yeah. That was the first time in my life, even after having three kids, I never stopped working. And it's because, like Lisa, I didn't see an alternative path. I felt like I was the only one in the world going through this. I didn't mm -hmm. see resources. Our communities don't know how to, man like to, to respond to us. The clinicians expected me to know what to do and how to manage it all. Um, it was the hardest and loneliest time in my life. My mom passed away in 2017 in my home. And in my deep grief, more than anything, I felt so incredibly frustrated. So I've been a three-time startup founder in tech and direct-to-consumer products. And so I knew the technology is possible. I know how to engage people in the home. Um, and I was just so frustrated that there wasn't enough acknowledgement and support for something that will literally impact every single one of us. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's why my co-founder, Steve Lee, and I, who is a total tech genius, by the way, we took this combination of a deeply anthropological approach with really great tech and operations to start Ionicare with the mission of encouraging, empowering, and equipping family caregivers with the very practical tools, but then also mobilization of communities so no one does it alone. And so, 
you know, in a nutshell, we've identified all the different layers of support that every caregiver or patient will need at some point in their journey. So we really do focus on caregiving where there's some kind of clinical care that's needed. Um, and so we start with the personal social circles. We coordinate your friends and family to help with meals, rides, respite care, child care, pet care, house errands, and have a central location that's very private that you can keep everyone updated. But then we also know that's not enough. So we pull in local resources. You can punch in a zip code across the whole nation and you'll get connected to food sources, transportation, care centers, um, and even financial aid. And then we create our own expert content in video and written form. And then we've identified that there's so many benefits and programs that your employer offers and that health plans have, but you just don't know they exist because you get a pamphlet of 40 plus pages, right? Um, And so we integrate all of that. So it's so easy to use and it's all in one place. And then finally, we do match you up with a caregiver coach and navigator to walk you through all the complex situations um, that often needs another human soul to talk to. Um, And so we really put all those layers in one easy to use experience. And so we just say, you know, just come to us and we'll get you the support personalized to you. And I guess I'll end with just, um, it's really embedded in the core of everything we do in, in our name, which is the I-A-N-A of Iana Care stands for I am not alone. Um, and as Lisa said, it can be oh, a deeply, that. I know, I always get that, like, ugh, <laughs> it's a deeply isolating experience, um, but it really doesn't have to be. Um, and so ultimately, we are building that whole infrastructure around all the care that happens outside of the hospital which impacts 80% of your health outcome. And so that's what we're focused on. Hey, Jessica, I just, I love that that's how you've branded um, the company because what I'll tell you is people assume that the rest of your family is your emotional support. So number one, you may not have a big, (laughs) I don't have a big family, right? So I I can count on one hand how many people that were there that I could even talk to. And secondly, everybody's different. So I I have an older brother that I adore, but he is very linear. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, you know, crying about all the emotional components and he's not getting it, right? He's like, well, she's in a fine place. What's the problem? So just the way, you know, people (laughs) process is very different. So for me, finding that emotional connection was really hard because I didn't have it within my family and I didn't know where to go to get it. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I know we talked about this earlier in our, in our prep conversation, but Lisa, you'd shared, okay, you played the primary role and, you know, handling, you know, all of this for your mom, you know, it was my older sister and I, and, and, Truly kudos to her because she she played the lion's share of the role. My two brothers, I love them. You know, they're like, ah, just move her, you know, and there was not a shot in hell. My mom was moving out of her house that she'd been in, you know, how many decades? So it completely agree. So Liz, okay, I got to give full credit because Erica Busser, my partner and I, we, we co-create this fabulous Voice America adventure. But um, she had met Liz and Liz, full credit for saying, hey, let's do a podcast on this topic. <laughs> so, so Liz, um, it's this caregiving is a missed opportunity for businesses. They need to be doing a better job supporting their employees who end up at some point in their lives, right? Having to play that role. Tell us about you, your journey, your company. We want to hear it. 
Yeah, well, actually, it's, you know, we didn't cover all of this in the prep call, but as I listened to to you speak, Eric, uh, you speak, Jessica, and and you speak, Sarah, I was actually thinking you two were kind of what drove me to start Kunik. So I I worked in finance my entire career. I finally had a you know this show obviously very focused on women, so not a surprise. Finance, Sarah, obviously, I mean, Lisa, you you come from that world, you know all too well. Surrounded by men almost entirely, finally yeah. had a female manager who I loved. She made me equal parts comfortable and uncomfortable. She pushed me at all the right times in all the right ways. <laughs> and she was my greatest advocate, my greatest interior champion. She pushed me in, in ways that I needed. And then she left. And she left because she had two kids. And they weren't even newborns at that point, which is when everybody thinks about people leaving. One had been diagnosed um, with neurodivergence on the autism spectrum. Another one was having a hard time transitioning to school. Her in-laws live near her and were getting older and taking more of her time. And so she left. She left to go take care of them. And that devastated me. And it also terrified me because I was sitting there thinking about having kids. I was a little bit younger at that point. And this was the first boss who I really thought I could grow with, where I saw us you know, working together. And when yeah. she left, I kind of looked up and looked around and I was working at a huge bank. And I realized I had no idea who the parents and caregivers were because they didn't have pictures. They weren't talking about it. They weren't leaving the office openly to go see their kids. And I started thinking, well, oh, my gosh, what am, what am I going to do? I want to have a kid. I'm you know, 30. I'm thinking about having a kid. The one person who I knew was a parent has just quit because she told me she couldn't make that work. So how am I going to possibly make this work? And that really scared me. So I started talking to people. I love to talk. So I talked to people and I talked to over 1500 working caregivers and I found out a few things really quickly, which is that fertility, birth and leave are important. And I know most of us sitting here have been through that. Most of us listening have been through that. It's not everything. It's a small segment of your population. It's birth mothers at a very specific point in time. Right. And that's where everything in corporate America was focused. Mm-hmm. So there's this massive, as you say, missed opportunity. And what happened, and you talked a little bit, Sarah, about this in the beginning, kind of you have your kids at an exciting time, you get support. But where you didn't go with that is, and then you come back to work. And a lot of people felt, Absolutely. I've been dropped off a ledge. I am sitting here totally alone. And, and that's where we started picking up people. So they felt alone and we saw that there were transitions. And to your point, caregiving is ongoing. We found that there was nothing that supported that entire journey. So as in-laws move in with you, Jessica, as your parents move in with you, as you become sandwich generation, or as somebody gets sick, and as you guys said, there's no prep, nothing on that and nothing inclusive. We found that most of it was really focused on women. And so Lisa, you talked about your brother being involved. We found that most of it wasn't looking at the entire picture of who is a caregiver. So it also left out things like step, adoptive, foster, LGBTQ. It left out men who were caring for relatives and their family. That was a huge missed opportunity too. So that's what we set out to solve. And what we found talking with all of these caregivers is that there were really two things that they wanted. And one of them is the part that you guys keep talking about, that that emotional side. And what they wanted there was the ability to connect with peers. Because Lisa, you're right. It's not always your family. And sometimes what they want is to talk with somebody in the workplace, somebody we're spending hours in the workplace, whether it's virtual or in person, they wanted to talk with somebody there who understood what they were going through, who understood the demands of working and caregiving. And they wanted expert advice. They wanted people who they could trust to give them practical, actionable tools and guidance. So that's how we started Kunik. We work with employers to support their caregivers, to give them access to community, both internal within a company, but also a a private network across all of our companies together to give a little bit more scale so that you can connect with people where you are on your journey. 
and also bringing in experts. Now, what was really unique about what we did is we brought people together in groups. So none of it was one-to-one. It was all shared. Because to your point, Lisa, you were up late at night Googling, but there's a lot you can't Google. There are some things that you can't put into Google and get back. And that's where you need that kind of group support. So that's what we started doing. And then something really interesting happened. And that was that we discovered your point earlier, Sarah, that caregivers were about three quarters, two thirds of any organization. And we didn't realize that HR didn't know that when we went in, they, they underestimated. They usually said, I think it's about 20%, no idea. And there was no idea because they weren't watching this population. It wasn't segmented. It wasn't seen as needing more support. It wasn't counted in any way. So they had no clue. And they also found out that they're natural bridge builders. So they're their biggest segment and you get them across every affinity group. So you think across Black, Latin, LGBTQ, veterans, women's, all of those affinity groups you're trying to support, there's caregivers. Every level of seniority, your newest person to your most senior exec, there's caregivers. So they are the foundation of building inclusion. And what happened is we were bringing them together to have these conversations with experts on the issues that mattered most to them. And it naturally became really intersectional. What does it mean to be a mom and a manager? What does it mean to raise a kid prideful parenting in an allied home? What does it mean to talk to your kids about race as we watch things like George Floyd happen? And our teams came to us and said, our internal champions, and they said, well, listen, we need this across the whole workforce. Talk to our managers about how to lead with empathy, because if you're going to support a caregiver, their manager needs to know how to support them, too. So let's work on giving our managers the skills to lead with empathy. Let's work on how they can lead in a hybrid world. Come work with our ERGs and help them build out more impactful programming and then connect across those ERGs. So we're not supporting people just in silos, but we're supporting them across in a very intersectional way. Yeah. And that, that's where we are today. I, I, uh, and as you, you think about it, right, um, again, cliche, but the silver lining <laughs> from these last two years is, you know, people are enlightened now in that, yeah, I'm going to bring my whole self to work. You know, before it was, unless it was happy or positive or socially acceptable, I wasn't allowed to bring that part of me to work. Right. And that's why parenting was so secret. People weren't bringing it to work. Parenting's messy. Being a caregiver is messy. It's exhausting. It's draining. And it's, and to your point, Jessica, that, I mean, that's actually what we measure at Kunik is when we partner with our employers, we want to make your people feel valued, seen, and heard because otherwise they aren't bringing them to whole selves. Otherwise they don't feel part of it. And that's the whole future of work is getting people to feel that way in the workplace. And And, and and what I would say to that is when a company does that for their employees, that employee will work 10 times harder. Right. Absolutely. And, and stay, stay 10 years longer. And yep. stay, stay 10 years longer. Right. Yep. I know. Right. No. And it, 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 the other thing too, that hit me over the head, Liz, is you were so brilliantly unpacking this topic. Um, the, the diversity experience, right? So Jessica, you shared, you know, from, from a diverse community perspective, culturally, yes. it is your role to yes. be the caregiver. You do move your family in. Yes. You do fund your extended family. You, you know, culturally, that is your role and obligation. And yet, I don't think companies always got that. Like, what What do you mean you got to take care of your parents? Just put them in a home, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it, so there's that, you know, aspect as well. So you can see how if I'm a diverse leader, 
I need to find, like you said, Lisa, an organization that's going to support me in my full life and in my full career journey and the role that I need to play. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So we, we got to take a quick commercial break, but we are going to be back. Um, I want to thank everybody who's been listening in so far. Don't leave us because in the second segment, we're going to talk about best practices. So what are great resources like Ayana, Karen, Kunick, and you as an individual, how can you use them? But even more importantly, as a leader in your organization, how you need to be providing this. You are listening to the Advancing All Women podcast. You can always check us out at newonline.org for more information on new and all of our podcasts. So we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Network of Executive Women is a nonprofit dedicated to advancing all women and transforming our workplaces through the power of community. We are a growing community of more than 13,500 professional women and men, representing nearly 900 organizations across North America. We are a strong, collective voice for everyone in the corporate world who wants to see gender equality become a reality, and we welcome all who champion our cause. Members of NEW gain access to a broad network of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development. Corporate organizations also gain access to DEI Solutions, which fosters a more inclusive and productive work culture. Plus, members can engage across NEW's 22 regional communities and attend two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and leadership. Join Network of Executive Women today. Visit newonline.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member of NEW. That's newonline.org slash membership. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America.
You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Network of Executive Women? Visit our website today at newonline.org. That's newonline.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Sarah Alter and the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. And I am joined today by Lisa Walsh, Operating Advisor, Atlantic Street Capital Advisors, Inc., Liz Gulliver, CEO and co-founder of CUNIC, and Jessica Kim, CEO and co-founder of Ionicare. And today we are talking about how leaders and organizations can do a much, much better job of supporting their employees who are caregivers across their entire career journey. All right, so Lisa, share with us what, what were the successes and uh, I won't call them failures, I'll call them learnings <laughs> that you gleaned. <laughs> Opportunities for others. Yes, there you go. Let's glass half full today. <laughs> okay. Um, my God, I, I mean, I can't even tell you how much I've learned over these past few years in, in going through this journey. The one, I think, biggest takeaway I would want people to have from this discussion is Sit down with your loved ones, particularly as we're talking about elder care, and you have to have to go see an elder care attorney and you have to get power of attorney and affairs in order. Because when my father passed away and we could recognize that my mom was having issues, my brother and I both agreed that, you know, she was a very controlling Sicilian. Um, so <laughs> you knew, knew what we were in store for. She would fight us on everything if we didn't, if we yeah. didn't get some sort of um, legal documentation as a way to help manage her um, affairs. So we were able to sit down with um, an attorney that she trusted. And it's funny because she trusted him more than she trusted her two children. Um, so it's really yeah. important that you get someone who... Um, your loved one would be perceiving as an ally for them because in many cases they fight the kids Um, and getting both medical power of attorney and financial power of attorney was really critical because when we had to respond to medical issues, when we had to um, get her finances in order, I mean, we couldn't have done any of it if we didn't have that. So um, we thank God every day that we were able to convince her while she was still lucid enough to relinquish that to us um, because it would have made things exponentially harder. So those are hard conversations to have, you know, with your parents, but you have to have them um, because otherwise it's just, you're going to deal with things that you're not going to want to have to deal with um, down the road. Um, Such such key advice. Yeah. Yeah. The, The second one is, and this is where I had a lot of emotional baggage, was the logistics of moves. So when you move a loved one out of their own home, you, um, you are creating an emotional um, challenge for them. Um, but what I learned is it was much more emotionally challenging for me because when we moved her out of her apartment and then we had to go clean it out, my mom had everything pristine. Everything was in place. You know, that's the way she was her whole life. When we started opening cabinets, we realized just how sick she was. I mean, 
we found things I could not have even imagined. I mean, plastic bags tied up, thousands of them, thousands of them tied up, papers everywhere in stacks, hidden in shoeboxes. And mm-hmm. I'm talking like you go in the back of a closet and you find a piece of paper that is from 20 years ago next to a bill from last week. Um, and so to me, seeing yeah. what was underneath the surface and what she was really probably struggling with was absolutely devastating. And then I had guilt all over again. How could I not have known? How, how, how much was she struggling? And I wasn't there for her. She was sicker than we thought. Um, and so that was like a whole another round of guilt. So what I would say there is, you know, when, when many of us have to go through the clean out, um, you, you need to take off from work, right? You need to give yourself grace because that mm-hmm. is going to be a death mm-hmm. in and of itself that you're going to have to process and go through. Um, and there's no way I could have been effective in having a work conversation with anyone during those days. Yeah. I mean, I was done. So, yeah. um, so kind of plan for that maybe ahead of time and know, you know, it may be much harder than you think it's going to be. And if it's not, then you're one of the lucky ones. Um, but carve out that time because I, I think most people will really need it. Um, and then getting medical affairs, you know, taking yeah. care of. So who are the doctors? What's the insurance? You know, she's on, I, I didn't even really know what Medicare exactly was. I probably I know. should, it, but. It, 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 we like, do now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I don't, I don't understand the whole thing. I had to educate myself because nobody yeah. fought me, right? And it would be great if an employer could help as you're, you know, as you sign up for your medical program. Well, here's the things you should understand about where you are at your age. And what happens as you age and what happens with what, what happens um, with medical coverage. So secondary coverage is great. I learned all this stuff that I just I didn't know because um, I had never gone to go through it. So so we stumbled through the medical part a lot. And I would say, you know, if people could get educated on that, it would be it would be much easier. Um, and then I would say, lastly, is just defining roles. Right. Because, you know. And I know many people listening are probably only children um, and you have to carry the burden on your own. Find a best friend, find a cousin, find anybody who can help you through the journey. My brother and I divvied up roles. So as I said before, Mm -hmm. he's the, you know, black and white guy, right? So he handles all the finances. He was the one calling the credit card companies and dealing Mm -hmm. with the billing and all of that stuff. And I was the one taking, and I still am, the one taking the calls um, when they need to change her medication or there's an issue or, um, you know, she refused to get her COVID shot. And what can we possibly do about that? So all of those kinds of issues I handle and my brother handles the other stuff and it kind of, and then we compare notes, but it gives us each a purpose and we feel like in our own way, we are caretaking as best we can from where we live. Um, but it's also a massive amount of things to do um, on your own. So ask for help. And if you don't have a sibling, there are plenty of people who can probably help you. And I know that there's two women on this call whose companies exactly. can probably help. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, it's, I know, I know. And you know, and it was so funny. I was sitting here just thinking, so I'm, the listeners can't see this. I'm holding up this glass. These were the glasses that I grew up with. 
Wow. Like we, you know, and we had like, you know, 20 at one point. Now there's three, you know, (laughs) but it was like one of the few things I took from my mom's house when we moved her out of it. I'm like, you know, I want those glasses that I grew up drinking from. Um, I keep thinking, and I'm sure they do exist in companies today, but it sounds like the perfect affinity group or business resource group or employee support group, right? That, you know, hey, let's let's build this community and let's teach each other and guide each other through it. So to your point, if you don't have the siblings or the extended family to help, you know, create this group then in your organization so others, you know, can can bond with you and and you know you can help others navigate through it. All right. So so Jessica and Liz, I'm gonna combine you now because from <laughs> my perspective. We need both your organizations. So I am just going to shine the spotlight on both your groups. Um, Help our listeners now, okay, individually, but then as equally important, leaders and organizations, give us those best practices that they need to be tackling. And I know you're going to be a tag team, which is sometimes tricky (laughs) on radio, but I think you're going (laughs) to... I just would love to like, I think it applies to both of us. Um, and I, and I do, I love what we're both doing, Liz. And I think for leaders and organizations, just like we shared here today, it is so critical that if you're a leader and you've had any experience with caregiving, that you have to share your story. It is critical in changing the culture yeah. and giving people permission to seek help and support. And it starts there because you can have all these services, all these benefits, but if people don't feel like they have the permission, they will not unlock any of it. And so we've seen this in female leaders openly talking about the struggles of working and having kids and that type of caregiving that we mentioned. And that is proven. I remember writing a, reading a study that that was proven that that was a significant change that then led to all these other tangible right. programs. And we need to do the same about other types of caregiving for both men and women. Um, and it really does start with the leaders. You know, we've been, um, you know, one of our top clients is Anthem Insurance. And there's an incredible leader there, Donna, who in our first kickoff webinar, we had thousands and she shared her very personal caregiving journey. And I will tell you that right there turned everyone to say, oh, if, if she can share it. And also I trust her because she's yeah. choosing these programs and she gets me. Now I can unlock it. And we saw that acquisition and that activation and engagement tremendously change, um, which is what you want when you offer something. So I think it really starts there. That's a great point. That's, that's a, it's a that's really so good point. True. That's so yeah, true. I'll, I'll just jump in, Liz, and then I'll pass it to you. But I feel like, you know, I worked at a Fortune 50 company and I've worked in small, you know, um, mm-hmm. private equity owned companies. And, and now I'm obviously on the other side. But In all of those companies, I think when you talk about caregiving, people immediately think you're going to talk about child rearing. Yeah. And and everybody kind of gets it and has been taught that that is an acceptable um, area that companies should support and whatnot. And a lot of people tell their stories and we've gotten so much more open about it. Nobody, nobody does a Mm -hmm. panel or talks about any of the other types of caregiving, which is for the most part, so sudden and so unplanned that um, how you react to that versus having the nine months of planning when a a baby's coming, it's completely different. And the the pressure then, because it's not planned, put on people to try and not let any any balls drop at work while you're handling this this situation, 
there's just nobody's telling the story. So I think you're a thousand percent right. Yeah. Liz, you were going to. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I, I agree. I would also add and, and push back on one point, which is that you brought up ERGs, Sarah. They are hugely important. I will say we work with ERGs at a lot of companies. By and large, most employers do not have a family or caregiver ERG. When they do have them, they're usually under the women's group, which brings us back to this point that it's not a women's problem. It's To your point, Lisa, nobody was asking your brother why he wasn't moving home to take care of his parents. It's not a women's issue. They put it under the women's group. It puts it squarely back into being a woman's problem. What I would add about the leadership point point is, yes, we do need to, to have it, of course. The other aspect of it that I will say is, to your point, yes, nine months, Lisa, of course, planning for it. What I think is left out of the parent discussion is everybody says parents and they think kids zero to five. That's actually not when, as an employer, you are most likely to lose your parents. You lose them as kids transition into school, as you have learning challenges diagnosed around five years old and through elementary school, as middle school, God, has anybody in their life ever had a good eighth grade year? No, nobody likes eighth grade. And that's when you lose No, people. Nobody. It's a terrible time. And parents get stressed oh because it's, it's physically demanding in the beginning. You're not sleeping. You're trying to breastfeed. You're trying to chase a toddler. Kids trying to walk. They get sick. They fall down. It's physically exhausting. It is emotionally and mentally exhausting as those kids grow up, as you deal with, you know, what does it mean to have a kid who's applying to college who doesn't want to go to college, who wants to take a year off? That's when you actually yeah. lose people. Yeah. And the danger is you lose them as they're more senior. And then you don't have the pipeline. So if you want to talk about gender gap, if you want to talk about pay gap, until you keep those caregivers in, you will never close those other gaps. And that's what gets left out of the parent conversation. It's not the zero to five. It's the five to 18, and then the 18 to 30, and then the elder care. And I think, well, senior leadership needs to talk about it. And it's a great point. And that's when we come in and work with organizations, one of the things we often do is fireside chats. One thing one of our partners, T-Mobile, does incredibly exceptionally well is they don't just take it from their C-suite. So we do fireside chats with the T-Mobile C-suite, but they also bring it across all levels of management. And I think that's really important because if you are a more junior person in your organization, the person you're looking to every day, of course, it's great to hear from the CFO who doesn't want to hear from them or the CEO or the CMO, whatever the case may be. But your day-to-day is actually impacted by your manager, your direct manager. And so we need it to come not just from the top levels of leadership, we need it across all levels of leadership all the way down. That these people, your everyday people managers, your new people managers are talking about the challenges in their life. And that's, I think, as a you know, you asked early on, Sarah, what do companies need to do? And there's a really interesting study from McKinsey that came out recently talking about, of course, we're in the middle of this great resignation. We've got this dual war right. for talent. People are leaving. It's hard to attract talent. And the McKinsey study was really impactful because it said to employers, why do you think people are leaving? And they said, money, 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 money. It's the money. And then they asked the employees and they said, it's not the money. (laughs) Look around. It's that we don't feel valued by you as an organization. We don't feel valued by our direct manager, which is why that is so important. And we don't feel we belong at this organization. And so if you're an employer sitting there, part of it is you need to give them the nuts and bolts to run their life. And that's, you know, where Ayana Care is huge because it gives you those skills. But you also need to give them, Lisa, to your point, that ability to connect as a whole person, to come in and say, 
hey, this has been really hard and they need the psychological safety. They need the spaces. They need those spaces facilitated by experts who can guide that conversation. But you need your people talking to each other because if they're not, it stays in silos. It stays in a women's group. It stays talked about in the bathroom. It stays talked about in those two minutes before everybody else joins the Zoom call and it doesn't become a firm-wide conversation. And if you're not keeping your caregivers right now, as we just discussed, they're three quarters of an organization. So if you're losing those people, you ain't got nobody left. That's it. Right. Game over. And talent is your number one asset. So you've got to protect that talent. And right now, employees, employers have a gift. Employees are saying very openly, this is what we want. We want to feel valued. We want to feel heard. We want to feel we belong. And so employers now need to respond to that and create the spaces for those people to come together. And frankly, that, that's not going to happen from your own company. Because we already know that HR has stigmas around it, that you know different levels of companies have stigmas around leadership. So you need to bring in third parties to really actually create that psychological safety where people feel that they can have these conversations, where they can talk about the issues that matter most to them. And in that moment, it might be caring for an elderly parent, but it might also just be saying, to your point, I'm a panini and I am oozing and I don't know where to go. And I am so burnt out and stressed. And I just want somebody to say that they feel the same way and give me a couple of practical tips that I can take and use tomorrow. And so it's that that range of conversation that as a leader in your organization, you need to be creating the spaces for that. You need to bring in somebody who can facilitate that and give them that space and opportunity. Well, Liz, yeah. I love, sorry, I just want to jump in because I, Liz, I love the way you talk about parenting. It's not just a moment of time, that it is ongoing. And it's like any caregiving situation, we do think of it as like when it actually happens, just like that first trigger event. And so that's why I think companies have been focusing on leave of absence and just time off mm-hmm. alone. And that is critical, but it's not enough and it's not sustainable because right. on average, my gosh, I'm thinking about caregiving for any clinical conditions. That's four plus years is the average length. Children, obviously, <laughs> I have three of them, my own. It's a lot longer than that, but it's not a moment of time. And so, um, and the other interesting thing is one of the key hypothesis things that we wanted to prove is that um, why do people take that time off? And what we discovered was that it was be just to figure out how to set the structure of care in the home. It was like mm-hmm. they, were, they took the time off because what do you get? One week, two weeks? I mean, come on. When you're caring for all these situations that we've talked about today, it is not a one, two week thing and then it's done and you're back. It's like an ongoing journey. And so what they were taking time off for was to say, how am I going to do this? Who do I talk to? What do I call? Yeah. I got to move out. Yeah. I get this. And so, you know, solutions, like whether you talk to other people, like Liz has that platform, which is so powerful because peers know what's up. Like hearing Lisa, I'm like, yes, amen. She had the best advice. Um, but then also for a platform like Care, where we say, hey, you don't need to take two weeks off just to figure out what's available. Click around. <laughs> and in right. like two right. hours or less, we will get and we'll match you up with a coach to walk you through the emotional mm-hmm. and practical aspects of things. So when you do take that time off, you're actually spending quality time with your family. You're actually resting. You're actually getting true time off, not using that time just to figure out what's happening. And so that's where with employers, we got to say, it's not just paid time off. It's how do you build a sustainable support? Because caregiving is ongoing for years. And to Liz's point, it's an ebb and flow of a type of caregiving and it's a fluid type of role. So how do we support them throughout their entire journey? It has to go beyond two weeks. And to, to Lisa's point, it's uncomfortable. 
talking about power of attorney right. is uncomfortable. You know, nobody wants, nobody's like, oh yeah, let's dive into that. That sounds juicy and fun. No, that's awful. You don't want to have that, you know? And you brought up a lot of what you were bringing up, Lisa. I kept thinking, yeah, that's awkward. Yep. That's uncomfortable. And I think it's a great point that you bring it up because if people don't talk about those uncomfortable things, you don't know. And you don't know until it's too late and you can't change it and you're out of options. Mm-hmm. And and the only option you probably had through your company was the EAP, right? Right. So like if you're, if you're, you know, in, in an emotional state and you, you want to be able to unpack it all with someone, um, we're going to, we're going to cover this next week. Um, I should invite all of you back so you can join us, but <laughs> we have an incredible, um, it's the black girl doctor, Dr. Tay. Is coming. Oh, she's and, awesome. Yeah. Right. Cool. And we're, and we're going to talk about how, you know, Hey, traditionally companies provided you with that EAP 1-800 number. That's all you needed, right? It's like nobody was going to call that. Do you know what the average use rate of an EAP is at a company? 2.6%. Yeah, right. Right. So people weren't using that number. (laughs) So I love what you were saying, Liz, which is, hey, let's facilitate the the affinity groups, the the ERGs. Let's facilitate these, um, you know, fireside chats across all levels, across all Mm -hmm. departments, um, because that's how you can, you know, potentially help someone manage, you know, the emotion. I also loved, loved, loved your focus on um, learning disabilities. That's part of the parenting journey, caregiving journey. And then, Lisa, I know you and I just lived through this um, applying to college. Mm-hmm. So think about, you know, like organizations and leaders need to get creative. Let's yeah. get creative. Let's provide different resources now and different benefits because, I would have loved to have somebody guide me through when I was trying to figure out my two boys both have dyslexia. Like, how do I navigate that in the school? Right. What does standardized testing look like? How do, and that's exactly right. it. There is no silver right. bullet. That's why I love how you say creative, because a lot of this is iterating and testing. And I think that's where EAPs have been around for a long time. They are, I joke, but they are woefully underused. And they're underused because it's what Jessica said earlier. Nobody's looking through their entire book of benefits at a company. And no. it lives on an extraction model. Right. You sitting there as Sarah or Lisa need to take the initiative to look at what you have to go find what resources you have, find out where they're buried. First of all, are they on an internet? Do they live in an email? Where do you find them? So many. Then you have to look through yeah. it. Then you have to go contact them yourselves. They may not answer. You have to call back. That's a terrible system. If you had to do that for anything else in your life, unless it's you know life altering, you're not doing it. So we need to switch to a push model where we come, You know that's what Kunik does. We come in, we work with the employers. It's right in front of you. You're not searching. You're not looking. It is happening. You simply click and join. It is a conversation with your people. And I think that's where employers need to get much more comfortable trying different things and knowing that there is no one solution for this caregiver challenge because no one caregiving situation looks exactly the same. Well, yeah. Liz, they should be measuring usage, right? So yeah. mm-hmm. it's not enough to say, oh, I have this, check the box, I did my job as Absolutely. an employer. Right. Nobody's right. using it and the problems right. continue to exist. You haven't solved anything. And yeah. usage looks different. We measure you know, usage in terms of how many people sign in. We also measure something called NPS, which is net promoter score, which essentially right. means how valued do you feel? That's something we're incredibly proud of. We have an NPS of 75 on feeling valued, seen, and heard. Industry average is around 30 to 40. So it's not just, that's where companies, they think usage, we need full on <laughs> broad numbers. That may not yeah. be the case. You actually need to also measure impact. It's both the breadth 
and the depth of what you're offering. And, and I mean, I, I love that because, and I also think, you know, I always ask my question, I always ask the question, why now? Because caregiving is not a new thing, right? We said that it's hundreds of years old. It's like the original form of care, but care, but what's, why now? Why can we solve it differently now that we couldn't even a decade ago is technology. Technology addresses, it it allows us to interact with every single, like thousands of people at one point, right? That humans cannot do alone. And then it allows us to be scalable and trackable to everything that we're talking about. And so with, so leveraging that into a very human experience and uh, situation is where we can really make that difference uh, through the platforms that we're creating. Perfect note to end on. Um, it, it, we are going to provide information uh, for both Iona Care and CUNIC um, wherever we're going to be posting our podcast. So for those of you that want to reach out and you should connect with both companies, um, Lisa, thank you so much too for sharing your personal journey with everybody. Cause like, as Jessica said, you know, that's how we all learn and that's how we all support each other. And I'm so grateful for you doing that. Hey, I want to thank everybody who listened in today as well. Um, I'm sure you are going to walk away as, as, as I will, with incredible new knowledge and perspective and advice on on caregiving in general. I wanna thank Voice America for always giving me and new the opportunity to share our voice and our stories and our mission with all of you. We have topped 15,000 listeners. We are shooting for 20, everybody. (laughs) Bring a friend next time you listen in. Um, Join us next week. And I already plugged it, but we're going to talk about mental health for Black women um, with the incredible Dr. Ty, the Black girl doctor. Um, So please make sure you join us. Um, To learn more about New and listen to all of our podcasts, you can check us out at newonline.org. And huge, huge favor. Nobody has reached out yet, so please do. We want to hear your thoughts on what types of topics you'd love to hear. So reach out to me at connect at newonline.org. I'm Sarah Alter, and thank you, everybody, for listening, and have a great day. Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again, enjoy your week.